Hey friends, it's Jay. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast that is yet to be named. Uh, We are still trying to figure this out uh, because this is a unique podcast. Look, I'm a local pastor and every Sunday when I'm driving home from church, I think about all the things I should have said. I just stood on stage and I talked for 35 minutes. I said a lot of words and there's always more that I think I should have said this. And it's kind of an isolating feeling to get in my car all alone replay the things that I just said and to think about all the things that I should still say or the things that I wish I didn't say. And so what I'm going to do is every week after the message, I'm going to come in and I'm going to download what's going on through my mind and in my heart. So before we talk about what I should have said, can I tell you about what I got to do earlier this week? It was crazy. So it's the Halloween season as we're recording this right now, and I love Halloween. It's by far my favorite season because I like being scared. I know not many people love the uh, emotion and thrill of being scared, but I do. It's just who I am and what I like. And so every year I try and find terrifying things to do around Halloween. And this year my friend said to me, hey, we've got to check out Creep down in L.A. And I said, absolutely. Let's go. What is Creep? And then they told me it's an immersive horror experience where you sign a waiver that says that the actors can touch you and mess with you. And I thought, let's go, let's do this. And so we did. A couple of my good friends and I got in the car, went down to the art district in L.A. And we parked our car in a parking structure and then walked to this really big concrete building. And there was a group of, I don't know, 10 or so people kind of nervously waiting outside. And we knew that's it. That's where we're supposed to go. So we went and we joined them. And there was a woman with a clipboard checking people in. And when we checked in with her, she was not nice to us at all. She was very stern. And we realized, wow, show starts right when you check in. And so sure enough, we gave her her, our name. And then we waited for just a minute or two. And then she called us all to line up. And she had us line up in pairs uh, next to uh, your friend, obviously, who you came with. So I'm standing next to my friend and there's a line five deep. And when she says, let's go, she split us up. One line went with her and the other went with another guy, which means you're no longer with your friend. You're instantly separated, which that adds to the nervousness. And so I'm following her down. She pointed at me and she said, you, you're coming in the front. And if you've ever been to a haunted house or something like that, uh, being in the front is definitely the most exciting position to be in uh, because you get the full brunt of whatever is about to scare you. And so she put me in the front and I said, "Okay, let's go. We took a turn around a corner, went down a long walkway, and I see this lunatic just waiting at the end, waiting for us. And he's staring at me and I'm staring at him and we're walking right for him. And as we get a little closer, he takes off and disappears. And when we get to the corner, we turn that corner and the lunatic is now in an elevator and he's with four other friends. Uh, So we get into the elevator, the five of us with the four lunatics. We go up a couple floors and when the elevator stops, it opens up into complete darkness. And then I feel a shove on my back. I'm getting shoved forward. And as soon as I'm out of the elevator, somebody is pulling me into the darkness They take me into a room where there's just one light hanging and I'm uh, forced down onto a chair. 
And it's crazy because the light that's in front of me is illuminating all these different lunatics running back and forth. But there's also this vast darkness behind me, which has a vulnerability of being attacked from the behind. And I'm thinking to myself, what in the world did I sign up for? How intense is this going to get? And the thought went through my mind of, I probably shouldn't be here. This was probably a bad decision. And it's at that moment that it's like pure glee for me. I love that feeling because I know I'm safe and yet I can suspend my disbelief and allow the terror to set in. And there's something about it that I love. So it was a very intense start because I didn't know how intense it was going to get. And then uh, an actor came out and described the world that we were going into. And uh, the scenario was that we were trapped inside other people's bad dreams. And we went from room to room and each room was a different bad dream. But it's really cool the way that they set it up. Uh, We were immersed in it, but we were watching actors act out these scenarios. Uh, And sometimes we interacted with the monsters in the bad dreams and sometimes we just observed it. But they made it chaotic at all times. There was always some kind of surprise. We always thought we were going to go one way. We were redirected other ways. We were always being split up from other people. And it was terrifying and fun all at the same time. So that was a great night. Uh, We left after that, went to a bar, and just discussed all the different rooms. Because it's crazy. Some of my friends went to rooms that I didn't get to go to. And some of us had different experiences in the same exact room. Which just makes me think this whole thing is incredible. So next Halloween, if you're around the LA area, definitely go check out Creep. I think it's worth it if you like being scared. If you're normal and you don't like being scared, don't go. Just be normal and have a great life. But if you're weird like me, definitely go check out Creep. So that happened. And shortly thereafter, Sunday showed up. I got on stage at church, talked about Jesus, said some stuff, then realized there was a whole lot of stuff I should have said. So I just got off stage at Friends Church in Orange, and this is what's going through my head as a pastor and honestly just as a person. All week I've been thinking about what you do when the odds are against you. And the point I tried to make is that we can look to God because he delights in defying the odds. He's powerful enough to move mountains, or he can give us the strength to climb them. And if I were you, or if I was sitting down with a pastor after a message like this, I'd really want to know, hey bro, do you believe that? And uh, since that's the question that I would ask, I'm going to ask it of myself right now because it's really important to me. Anytime I get on stage, I want to believe what I'm saying. I want to believe that it actually matters and I want to believe that it's true. And so uh, do I believe that God has the power to move mountains or he'll give us strength to climb them? I got to be honest, if you would ask me that a couple years ago, I would tell you that I want to believe that but I'm not so sure. I'm the type of person I want to believe that God can do the impossible, that there's nothing he can't do or nothing he won't do, and no one that is too far out of his reach for redemption. I want to believe that, uh, but I don't know if I was there until just about a year ago where I went through something that I had a giant mountain in my life and I needed God to move it, and he actually did. Uh, So Uh, About a year ago, I started having seizures and I got uh, an MRI done and I got a call from a neurosurgeon and he told me that I had a brain tumor 
And man, that took my breath away, just hearing that phrase, brain tumor. And it sent me into a really scary time because the more we found out, the worse it got. Uh, it wasn't just a brain tumor, but it was an incurable brain tumor, which meant that it was completely resistant to radiation and chemotherapy. The only way uh, to uh, survive this tumor was to cut it out completely. And then I found out that the location of the tumor was terrible. It was right in the very center of my brain in a place called the eloquent cortex, where it was very dangerous to go in. It was complicated and there was uh, a possibility of brain damage. And so the neurosurgeon was going to have to go in and in very real time, he was going to have to assess, can I get the entire tumor or only part of the tumor? Uh, and he would assess that on how much brain damage he thought that would cause me. And so you could imagine going into a surgery like that, uh, it feels like you're going into an impossible situation where you want the surgeon to get all of the tumor so that you can survive longer than the four years that they gave me. Uh, but at the same time, you don't want him to remove the tumor uh, and have it result in brain damage. And so going into that surgery, we had thousands of people praying for me. Uh, and I got to tell you, there was this crazy peace that I had going in, uh, knowing that God was with me. I never felt him this close before in my entire life. Uh, but going through this trial, he just made himself so evident that he was close. And so I went in to a very scary situation with peace. And then after the surgery, when I woke up, and the first thing I saw was my wife. And the first thing that I heard her say was, Jay, he got it all. The neurosurgeon got the entire tumor. And as I heard her say that, I could feel my thoughts forming. And my first thought was, oh, I can still think. And, and honestly, uh, as I came out of that, I am fully recovered and there is zero brain damage. Um, well, you can ask my friends and they might make fun of me, but in my opinion, there is zero brain damage. I'm fully recovered. And it's like it never happened, except for the fact that uh, my faith has been strengthened and my relationships have been strengthened a bit as well. So when I stand in front of a group of people and I say to them, God has the power to move mountains or he'll give you the strength to climb them, I really believe it. And as I was enjoying life, I was also enjoying preparing for this Sunday because this is a, a special Sunday. This marked our five-year anniversary as a church in Orange. And man, it feels like that five years just went by in a flash. And then at the same time, it feels like, man, this was a slow journey of just putting one foot in front of the other because there was a lot of obstacles that we had to overcome. And not only that, but there were a lot of... Uh, a lot of amazing things that God did. And so it's so great to slow down and just reflect. I don't know about you, but I move a million miles an hour. And sometimes I can just feel like life is going by in a flash. And it's my own dumb, dumb fault. I could just stop. I could reflect a little bit. I think some self-reflection is good every now and then. I think I could get better at that. I'm sure we could all uh, strive to it. But I love it. There are just certain rhythms in our life, and this is one of them. Every year, we celebrate our anniversary as a church, and this one was really cool. Got to hang out with some old friends and got to encourage people that, uh, you know, if God is defying the odds at Friends Church, he can do it in your life as well. And I believe that that's true. 
I really do believe uh, that when the odds are against you, uh, you can turn to God, look to him, and know that he delights in defying the odds. Because the odds were against me. They were not in my, my favor, my friends. They were definitely against me. And God came through. And I've seen it at our church, too. Um, and I won't go into all of that. You can go back and listen to the message if, uh, if you're interested. But I've just seen, like, this isn't just something that he does every once in a while. This is who he is. He's all about defying the odds. Uh, because it's a great way to show how much he loves us. Uh, because, quite honestly, there's some things that we just can't do for ourselves. And uh, God fills that gap. And also because it, it brings glory to him. And I'm standing, I'm standing there, we're singing songs, and I just had this overwhelming feeling come to me. Celebrating five years as a church, I'm thinking about all the scripture that I've been reflecting on, thinking about all the good things that God has done in our church and in my life, and I was overwhelmed by a sense of love. I just felt so loved. And it, it wasn't, this is the crazy part. The crazy part is, I didn't feel loved because uh, I have a successful church. I didn't feel loved because I was saved from a brain tumor. I felt love because on the other side of the brain surgery, there was something in me that just broke free. It was like something had been holding me back for so long. And by sheer willpower, I was trying to change it and I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it, and I was getting desperate. And then after the surgery, there's just something in my core that broke free, and I have this newfound hope. So, okay, let's go way back. I'm two years old. I'm raised in a family that is absolutely chaotic. There's mental health issues. There's substance abuse issues. And my mom is struggling with mental health issues, plus your standard postpartum depression. I'm two years old. And the way that the day would go is my mom would go in the backyard. She would sit down on a chair and she would just zone out. And I was left to fend for myself. I was neglected for some very, very pivotal moments of my life. And as a result, there's some imprinting that happens. And my ability to connect with others uh, is really limited because of that. And so I grew up in that chaotic home. I met Jesus when I was a teenager. He saved me from that home. He brought me into this great church where I had new mentors. I had a new way of living, a new vision, new hope. And it's like everything changed. I had joy in my life. And uh, my family saw it. They pointed it out. And they literally said to me, wow, Jay, you've changed. You've, you've got joy and happiness and peace. And all of that changed instantly. And I praised God. And I've always, I've always given him glory saying like, oh, he saved me from this situation. But then as I have grown, I'm now married, I have a daughter, there's something in me that just blocks me from having real connection, a deep connection with the people that I love the most, with my family. Uh, probably because in my mind, family is not a good thing. Family does not bring warm fuzzies. Don't know about your family, my family, not warm fuzzies. And so when I think about not my, just my extended family and the family that I came from, but when I even think about the family that I'm forging, I would always have this sense of despair that it was going to end badly. Even though I've got an awesome wife, my daughter's rad, 
there's this sense that, you know what, by the time my daughter is graduated from college, she's not going to want to hang out with us. We're not going to want to hang out with each other. And it's just going to be a miserable thing that we probably shouldn't have done. <laughs> and I'm not joking. That's really, that's really what I thought. And I didn't want to think it. I would hear these thoughts and I'd tell myself, no, no, don't think it, don't think it. I went to counseling and I told the counselor, hey, I have these thoughts. And the therapist would be like, try this, try this. I did whatever she told me, but it just wouldn't break free. I couldn't shake myself from it. And then I was diagnosed with an incurable brain tumor and I had no idea what was going to happen. I had no idea. I was had to undergo a very intense surgery where I was awake during the surgery. I had no idea what was going to be waiting for me on the other side. And for the first time, I truly needed my family. I've tried to live my life. I'm a resilient person, but my resiliency has taught me to not rely on anybody, to get it done for my for myself and not to count on people. And it allows me to be successful but it doesn't allow me to have good, deep relationships. I've got a million friends, but those ones that I really, really care about, there's just this depth that gets blocked that I can't go deeper on. And then after the surgery, I woke up. My wife told me that the surgeon was able to remove all the tumor and that my life expectancy was back to normal. A couple months, I was fully recovered, and it's like nothing Nothing ever happened. You couldn't even tell today if you didn't know. But I can tell deep in my core, something broke free. And there's this new ability to connect. Now, I'm still figuring it out uh, because this is uncharted territory for me. But there's this new hope that's in there. And so as I was at church today about to preach on how God can defy the odds, uh, everybody in my congregation is probably thinking, yeah, look, our pastor is a walking miracle. God defied the odds in his life because of his brain tumor. But to be honest, what I didn't say then, uh, but is what's really happening inside of me is I feel so loved by God because in these past five years, he's taken me to a place that finally, whatever it was that was holding me back has broken free. I've got a lot of work to do. I've got a lot of, lot of yards to pick up, but I now have this hope that he's in it and it's gonna end well. And that makes me just overwhelmed with love and gratitude. So today was a good day. It was an emotional day um, for me. And so now I'm tired. I am tired and I'm looking forward to, uh, to going home and taking a nap before I take a drive to go visit some family. Um, but you know what? There, there's one thing that I wish I could have jumped a lot deeper into. I talked about how God delights in defying the odds. But I'm also aware that there's people that have been praying for a long time to God, for God to defy the odds in their lives, and it just hasn't happened yet. And so I did move into this place where I said, hey, God can move mountains, or God can give you the strength to climb them. And I had to do that pretty quickly because our time was short in the celebration service, but I think there's real, there's real truth to that, and it matters. And so uh, I wished I could have dove a little deeper in that because, quite honestly, um, God can move mountains, but he doesn't do it that often. More often, I see him using his strength to strengthen us to be able to endure the trials that are before us. And I feel like, man, I need to teach myself 
And we need to learn as a congregation how to be persistent, how to be patient, how to persevere in trials. And so I never want to give off, you know, this impression that like, oh yeah, if you're a Christian, everything's great. No more, no more trials, no more sadness. It's all happy. So realistically, this life is not easy, but I can't imagine going through it without the strength that God gives us. Because although I've faced a ton in my own life, and I'm sure you have as well, I'm amazed at how God uses these things for my good. And he's so patient and so slow with me. It's like, if he tried to change me all at once, I'd probably just explode. And so just dial, just turn that dial just a little bit. He gets me to where he wants me, and he keeps forming me into the person that he created me to be. You know, so anyway, I wanted to hear from you. I, I didn't have much time to dive into the fact that God can move mountains, but oftentimes he gives you strength to climb them. And so I want, I want to know about your experience with that. Uh, have you seen God move mountains in your life? Or uh, better yet, have you experienced God giving you the strength to climb mountains? And uh, how do we need to be talking about this? I want to hear from you on that. So email me at j at friends.church. Soon I'll have a different email address once we name this podcast. You can email me there as well. Um, and then uh, please help a brother out. Uh, subscribe to this podcast. Uh, check me out on Facebook and Instagram. Check out the YouTube channel. Subscribe there. And uh, let's do this together because uh, those lonely car rides, those isolated car rides, I, I just can't do that anymore. Something's changed in me. And so I'm reaching out. And if you're finding this, would love uh, for you to reach back my way. And uh, let's go on this journey together. So hope you're doing well, and I will talk to you again next week. See you guys.